Today's episode is brought to you by Romesh Bangarar Dresses. Romesh is the oldest Vardi maker in the circuit. He's making Vardis for teams for over 15 years at this point. Currently, some of the teams that have recently bought from him are FCB, UNC, CMU, Cornell, Stanford, Fortile, DRP, UMD, and countless others. And now, he has a new way to pay for all these Vardia. He gives you the guarantee that you will not have to pay in full until you have received the product in your hand. To contact him, shoot him a message on WhatsApp at 404-630-8934 or just email him at romeshvardi at gmail.com. Contact information will be in the show. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Pangra Podcast. My name is Omar and on today's episode, Sid's talking to Kyrie about how to make choreography. Honestly, it's an absolutely amazing conversation between these two where they're taking Kyrie's freestyle and hip-hop background and really relating that to Pangra and just how to approach making choreography. Now I know this episode is really, really, really long, but if you check the show notes or the description, you can see the timestamps, and I marked off what topics we're talking about at every single point in the podcast. If you want to jump around, feel free to do that. Anyways, enough of my rambling. Let's get on with it. Uh, to another episode of the Barna Podcast. I am here with Kyrie. Kyrie, say hello. Say what's up. Hey, what's up? This is Kyrie Brothers. A lot of people say my name wrong, like Kyrie, but it's <laughs> definitely Kyrie with an I. You know. in the phone? Yeah, I'm recording. I can't do anything right now, Mom. Right. Sorry, my mom just called me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, yeah, man, tell us uh, tell us about your dancing background. Uh, for those that don't know, Kyrie did dance for GMU Bangra at Bangra Blowout this past season. Um, so, but Kyrie, go ahead talk about your your dance history and how you got into Bangra. Yes, yeah, so my dance history. So pretty much starting off growing up, I was always an artist. I always up drawing and creating. Then at one moment, I had to move to Virginia because I'm really from North Carolina. And I got to dance there, like right before I started high school. And with dancing, I really started with like freestyle and the street style dancing, like popping, locking, a little bit of breaking before I realized that I couldn't progress that much because it takes way too much time. And like light feet, which is like a dance style from New York. So that's where I started off originally. Then later on, I got into choreography, I got into hip hop, like hip-hop choreography, which is different from, like, hip-hop social dancing. And from there, like, my goal, right, going to college was to create, to create a team that was, like, pretty much endless in styles that can flow seamlessly, which I learned from the LXD, which I can go in, I can, like, link the video later. But my goal was always to be a part of a team where styles were just intertwined seamlessly, like, different styles of dance and different cultures from different environments. And that's where I later found my... Fusion team, makes me care on, where I was part of the fusion circuit. And the brand new team, we starting off with that. That's where I got into Bollywood, Garba, Ross, and I recently ran into Bumrah. 
there originally from our captain who was a person at the time from BCU Bunger and from JJ. So they were the person who taught me originally about what Bunger was and how to do it. So that's where it was my first step was talking. This game to Bunger was around 2011. So who, who was that? Who was that, by the way? That was, what was his name? Numan Bintali? Yep, name? got it. Yes, Numan. I'm so sorry if I forgot your name, but yes, I'm <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, throughout, I also, like, took classes and everything. I was part of a freestyle crew. I actually was minoring in dance, so that was, like, I was able to learn, like, different other technical styles, like getting to ballet, getting to African contemporary. Like, I, I dabbled in a lot of styles, pretty much, just before I was a part of the bonus circuit. So okay. pretty much after I left the fusion circuit, that's where I was like, oh, everyone's getting more into Bunger. Like, I want to actually embrace myself into the style, not just learn it as a fusion dancer, but actually learn what the style I was, like, all about. So the past couple of years, I was dancing with Jim Bungra and we're able to perform with him at Blowout this year. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, uh, Kyrie and I met in Chicago at Desi Dance Network, they threw a, a dance convention. And so that's where I got to meet Kyrie. Kyrie's an awesome dude. We had a great conversation in a bar about freestyle because free, uh, Kyrie taught a class called Freestyle at DDCon. And that's what uh, sparked the idea to do this podcast to get into how to freestyle, how to approach it, how to think about it, and how that applies to creating choreography. And so first, I do want Kyrie to get into something that we were talking about before we started recording the podcast. Kyrie, you attended a hip hop class with, as you called, a teacher who is a hip hop legend. And he said a couple of yeah. things about, you know, what dancing is. So I, I'm, I don't even want to pre, you know, preface it. Go ahead and you just, you know, spill, spill it how, how you heard it. Yes. So it was, there was an event in the DMV called Diggs Deeper, which was hosted by Jojo Diggs. And this was their anniversary. And for the anniversary, they bought uh, pretty much a legend, a hip-hop pioneer by the name of Buddha Stretch, who was very key to like dance early on with hip-hop in the early 80s, late 70s. So the title of the class was pretty much hip-hop freestyle. But throughout the class, he went over just the concept of dancing as a whole, how when they were there, it wasn't just oh, let's just do these moves. It was, this is what the difference between, I'm going to talk about hip-hop just for a second. It's the difference between hip-hop culture and hip-hop dancing. Hip-hop dancing stemmed from hip-hop culture. The culture is what they were living. It's, it's the life that they were, the every day to day where they were, their gatherings, everything like that. So the biggest thing he touched on was the dancing itself came from the music. Whatever the DJ played at the parties is what their bodies automatically reacted to. They didn't just start doing moves just to do moves by themselves. What the music told them to do, that's what they did. So one of the exercises we did was we had to get into like pretty much like a circle just around each other. And when you're dancing, you, you don't want to just branch off and do something completely random. So once someone starts off with a certain move and as you're dancing, you be like next. And that person has to build off with that the person before them did. They can't just go up to a tangent and do something of their own. Because when you're dancing, when they were just dancing back then, how the style was created, their peers were dancing, and they took what their peers did and remixed it because they wanted to be, oh, like, still that moves, like, oh, I did this, but I changed it up some. And that's how the style evolved, because people kept changing things up from what someone else did from a different background. So say you came from your own culture, your own background, 
you came here, you learned what they did, remix it with what you already had and brought that. And someone else remixed that. That's how a style is created. They take the music, they take people's backgrounds, and they formulate it to something different. They don't just go on their own, just create something, just make moves, because then you're not really doing a style, you're just making moves. And the style came from the music, and the, pretty much the music defines the style. So it's just, it's, just a, it's a mental thing as well as that whole environment is the culture, but since they're doing that particular step to that particular music, that's what made it the dance. So that's... with hip-hop, there's like four certain bounces, but the music defines the dance, not just the individual. That's that's definitely a, a very interesting, I don't know, I want to say lead into this whole podcast because... I think I think something that a lot of new folks struggle with is you know how to come up with choreography right and and yeah and, and I and I'm you know a big reason why you know for everybody listening that I wanted this to be the introduction the first part of the entire podcast is that you want to think about choreography especially in bara not in a sense of you know let's take you know we're going to do one step for eight beats a second step for eight beats and a third step for eight beats right that's just a step on top of a step on top of a step instead allow the song and the mix and whatever you're listening to, to dictate what you're doing. And as Kyrie said, or as um, his teacher said, you know, allow your body to react to the music that you're listening to. Right. And allow that to dictate what you're doing. Right. And, and that does go back to the roots of Barra of, of, you know, when you dance on dole, the dole is what's dictating what you're doing. Right. It's not the singer necessarily. It's not the, the, the Dumbi player. Sometimes it is sometimes, you know, depending on, you know, how this, the sets are constructed, but the dole is what was dictating or, or dole is what dictates, excuse me, you know, how the dancer dances. Right. And we're going to we're going to shove that whole thing for another podcast. We got lined up with, uh, with some folks out on the West coast talking about, uh, the, the, you know, the true originals, or, uh, the true root form of Barra and how it all connects and how it all came about. But I definitely want to start off with that to kind of lead, lead it into uh, yeah. Kyrie taught a class called literally just called freestyle uh, in Chicago. And, and so we're going to, we're going to delve into two parts. One, you know, how, you know, how to do it on your own. And, and again, this will all connect circle back connecting, connecting into how to create choreography. Um, so we'll talk about first about how to do it as an individual. And then secondly, in groups, so Kari, go ahead. Uh, two things you mentioned was to just get moving when you when you want to do freestyle on your own or create something on your own. And you want to get moving and then focus on something. So I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about those two points. Yeah. So at Didi kind of like said today, I thought me and my partner Raj actually we taught a class called freestyle. We taught the first Didi kind and they like okay, well, they'll bring us back. She taught the second one as well. So this was freestyling. It's, it's like, don't picture freestyling as just something like you're just going out to a circle or you're going to battle someone. Just think of it as your person. Like, just think of it as everyday life. Like, you're constantly improv and you're constantly living in the moment. So, technically, you're freestyling your movements. You're not just doing something that's set. So, don't think it's something completely off the wall where I haven't done this before. You're constantly freestyling your life because you're, you're going to be too predictable. You're, you're living your life. It's constant. You're always in the moment. You're in the present time. So the first thing with freestyling is to think of a lot of the physics. You have to get moving. Not the emotion phase in motion. So first thing about freestyling that we taught was that you have to warm your body up. You have to get moving. Because in order to start dancing, you have to move. That's the first thing. So the difference, the hardest part probably with the difference between like just freestyling and 
like specific style is there's no set or right or wrong way to freestyle. That's one of the biggest keys. You, there's no wrong way to do it. When you get into offense, learning different styles of dance and freestyling in that style, then that's different because there's a foundation. There's a basis to what you're doing. But with our class, just with freestyling, there's the biggest thing is being able to keep time. That's one thing I learned throughout all styles of dance. And pretty much when the music comes on, it's the drive that keeps you on beat. It's like either the downbeat, the upbeat, whatever your whatever it gets dictated, you have to be able to keep time. You have to be able to learn what the music's telling you to do because you don't want to be off beat. That's one thing about that. So what we did with the class where you we play music, we had them follow us as a warm-up. And the next thing is in order to increase your freestyling or your dancing that you're doing at the moment is to learn different movements, which is there's most people call movement vocabulary. So you'll teach it like we'll show them a movement and they'll learn that movement. But the key is not to just do that movement that way. Try adding layers and textures. So you're doing the movement either or in dynamics as well. Either different, either hard, you're in the soft, you're in the high, you're in the low. You can do that with either one step, like throwing your arm out, either two steps. You can change how you approach one step in so many different ways that that's how you increase your vocabulary. You take one step, you change it. You keep evolving that particular step. So, so we barely, since this is a short 45 minute class, but when you're at home, just think about different steps you're doing and just think about changing that step to a beat to emphasize different sounds that you hear. Like this. So that's one exercise you can always do at home. Either just stepping back and forth, stepping in different parts of your on the floor, just learning just how to how to move. You're literally just moving. That's I think that's one big thing with modern dance is you're you're really moving. That's one thing they changed in ballet is that the, the bridge structure was changed because people wanted to be open and free. But that's another story. <laughs> so yeah, it's I like like I tell you like I was at Mason. I, like the first class that got me into studying dance was a, dance called, a subject called dance appreciation, where it actually where I was first involved with Brightnathium because I first learned about that style there as well. So this we learn how to appreciate different dance forms and knowing how to like just that's that's one thing with judging as well. Just learn how to appreciate different takes on different things. So back to the class. We did next was an exercise where we worked on creating and using your mind. So we put like people into circles or ciphers, which is what we will call it. And we had them think of different objects, different polygons, different shapes. And they had to portray that shape throughout their dancing. Doesn't mean you have to make it with your hands, with your legs, but think about how that shape actually reacts to different parts of that shape. So take a circle, for example. That's the first thing we did. So we had, we demonstrated like here, you make a circle while you're dancing. So they took this exercise and people came from different backgrounds. So we had people using circles from hip hop to Ross, Garba, Bonra, contemporary. Just think about how a circle reacts, picturing like the environment around you as a matrix. So just think about a grid system around you as you're dancing and you're just moving throughout that circle or think of a radius or think of a semi-circle. If anything involved in a circle, that's how you're moving in that grid around you. It's an infinite grid. It can be larger, it can be smaller, but just think about that as you're dancing and just seeing how people reacted to that and just how they actually applied it was wonderful. Like, whenever the film comes out, I'll definitely try to link that as well. But some people take that circle and we change it like, oh, let's do a square. So then you have people doing box shapes and just using their bodies in all different types of ways and just being creative. This is just all your mind because there's no wrong way to do it. You're just 
your body's reacting to the music and you're taking this concept that's in your mind. Because with freestyling, you're just like, you want to think while you're dancing, but they had this one focal point where the mind set on this and they're just moving to it. So that was one exercise we did with shapes. 100%. And there's, there's another thing that I don't know if you want to interject, like, interject with anything, but the next exercise we did was uh, something called mirroring, where this is, well, if you're dancing, there's one thing to dance by yourself and another thing to dance with another person. So the mirroring is really about building chemistry with whoever you're dancing with. So one person had to lead and one person had to follow. So if you're at home, you just want to do something practicing, just get a frame, like, oh, just can you do this exercise with me? Because it's really fun. This is like a fun, like, team-building exercise you can always implement. But we have one person lead. And, like, say they lift their arm, another person had to lift their arm as well, just matching them. Just whatever movement they did, that person had to follow. And the next thing was you had to switch. So the next person started leading, the next person started following. And this, I mean, this exercise is done through a lot of improv classes. And the key goal is to get to a point in time where you don't know who's leading. You're just constantly moving and you're reacting. You're connected to that person that's in front of you. So it becomes really interesting once you start moving and no one knows who's leading and who's following. <laughs> so with Bunger, like, like it's, it's, it's really neat, actually. So that's, say, like, you say, oh, like, you're, you're, you're at price. You're like, oh, me and my Joey has the best chemistry on the team. So, like, go and prove it. Someone leads, someone follow. Let's see who, who's really better than who. And, like, it's like, it's just, like, minor things like that. Like, it's really, like, team building and knowing how to, like, definitely match and just really feel the aura of who you're around. So that's one key thing about Mary. And also, this is one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking earlier. This, this, this is probably like the biggest part. Like, it's one thing to dance, but it's another thing to move while you're dancing. So this is an exercise where we did traveling where we had to take moves and go across the floor. So it's not like how you're, you're in a set where you're dancing, like you're in your spot, but when you're actually, when you're actually out you're doing formation, you're doing that stuff, but you're moving at the same time. And knowing how to move and dance at the same time while staying on beat. That's different traveling exercises we worked on as well. Nice. Um, I kind of want to, you know, circle back just to, uh, expand and make, make sure that everybody fully understands exactly what you said. Um, so first thing that you talked about was, you know, whenever someone does step up to do, to freestyle, to create choreography, to create anything is to get moving first, right? You got to get, you got to have, be a body in motion. Right. And then the second thing you started talking about was to focus on something. And in your class you were talking and you had the, you had the dancers focus on a shape. Uh, and then expand upon that, right? And do it in your own way, right? So when it comes to, because, uh, you know, this is the Bar podcast, right? So do want to kind of bring it back a little bit and talk about if you were to create Bar choreography, when you say yeah. focus on something, you know, give, give some ideas to the listeners as to like what you might focus on if you were creating a piece. So that can also get down to like, Say we're working with Bungar, that can get down to like your overall set direction. That can also get down to your individual choreography. But me as a dancer personally, I look at dance as a whole. I look at everything that you do as dancing. So from the moment you step on stage to the moment you get off, I consider that part of your choreography. That's one thing. I really want to get off. So just like how you approach different things. So like you were saying earlier, learning your foundation is the biggest thing. In order to innovate, I always say know your foundation. Know where, know your history. Like, I really like learning about different styles and know what your movement represents and why you're doing that movement, how you're doing that movement. So by going to, like, create motor choreography, it's, some people can do this, but it normally doesn't match. It's really hard to create choreography without knowing what you're dancing to, without knowing what the beat is telling you to do. 
So the first thing I would do is get the music and listen to what, see how my body reacts to the music, what it's telling me to do. And next thing, next approach is this, it goes to your movement vocabulary. What move goes to what spot. And also, like we were talking about, it, I don't know if we want to tie into this now, but it goes into how you want, like, see your set production, how you want to hit different moves at what time, but also thinking about how you want to get to that moment. Because there's one thing about making highlight choreography and just focus on your highlights, like, oh, okay, we're doing this drop, we're doing this um, kick jar, this cut on at this drop on the beat. It's going to be hype. But how are you going to get to that moment? Like, how is your choreography going to flow and translate to the audience is like, okay, they're in this. You just don't want to telegraph what you're doing. It has to be a buildup. There has to be a certain way to highlight your dancing. You want, this, you want it to be an overall piece, not just think about this highlight. To really think about your overall flow and how you want to transition during certain moves, like treat everything equally. If you, if you can tell what teams treat different moments higher than others because that moment would be way more impactful and people would be way more energized and dancing more full out at that moment than throughout the rest of their routine. So really think about the minor details. Think about, think about, really think about the music. And think about um, your transition. That's the biggest thing. Like, who's, think also like going to formation, think about who's in what, what spot, who's going to be there by the next eight counts. So this doesn't think about, oh, they're killing the segment, but about how you, what happens in the next eight counts. So how you like, are you going to set this? Because you don't want to place certain moves, certain places, place certain people, certain where, about knowing the end result of what you want to do. So you always have to think about the whole entire product as you're creating. Some dancers are able to, like choreographers, they're able to just think of moves on the spot, like just say like they're, that's just how they work. They can just pull moves out for their choreography. Some people have to sit down and just record themselves and constantly brainstorm. It's, there's nothing wrong with that, that's fine. Like for me personally, I'm really into, like I don't come from a perfectionist, I like to really, I record, I dance, I record myself, I see what I need to fix before I like bringing things out. That's like my ideal goal. But there's some times where I can make choreography in the car before teaching, which is, I'm going to advise doing it, but if you're expensive enough to do that, then that's totally fine. But don't be afraid to learn from your mistakes. It's one thing to make a big choreography, which is something I do. Then from that big choreography, start adding in more details to what you're doing, to your dancing. So say like, you can like basic menjobs, basic plus slide your transition, but think about how you want to add texture, add, make it more intricate to your, your dancing. So say you want to add tilt, say you want to add head looks, pauses to your dancing that you can change later on after you have your base. Then there's something called textures where this is one thing that I think a lot of teams, some teams have, but you don't realize they have it. But this, this is one thing that's definitely, I think is missing is how you're approaching your movements. So there's one thing, like, there's a lot of teams that do their dancing in one speed, one dynamic, which is one, like, how hard they're hitting moves throughout their whole set. And they're like, oh, they're just super high energy. But think about how you can verify that. You can change that. So you don't have to do a move at a certain velocity each time. Think about slowing that move down or hitting that move not as hard, but still completing the move. You can hit the move soft to go with the music. That's called musicality and called texture. You're hitting that move soft because the music is soft at that moment. But it's telling you to go soft. So that makes your moves translate better than just doing it how you would do it normally to a different beat. So like say something that's very hard hitting, that's where you can do a more hard hitting movement. Say, say, say it slows down or soft at that moment, you articulate your body to stay in rhythm and just to translate that music 
to the audience, which is called being in the pocket of the music. You're representing the sound and the rhythm through your body. So say it's like a, say it's an elongated note that you're hitting. Say you, you were hitting like a, let's take a for example. Say it's a, it's a elongated note. You want to, and it's only on count one. So say you want to hold that count one a little bit longer than the count two and three in your fuss but just the milk and same beat with the rhythm of the music. That's one thing about staying in the pocket. And that's one thing I think lacks is people are just dancing and creating segments without actually dancing to the music and implementing what the music tells them to do. That's one thing about like applying it to Bunger, but also applying it to like dance as a whole. Because it's, it can get very complex if people, especially if you're new to making choreography, is you can always just try out different things. Like it's one always use your resources. That's the big thing I would say. Try something out. If you think it looks fine, send it to somebody. They'll definitely send it back to you and critique it. But the first thing to do is to definitely start. You have to start by trying. If you don't try, you'll never know how good you can be. And to always be able to take constructive criticism. Like people will give you feedback. You don't have to automatically change it, but change it to the point where you know what you need to do to fix what you're doing. If that answers your question that you asked. Got you. That was a mouthful. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a lot. It's all good. It's all good, man. I'll, I'll, I'll wear. I'm, I'm gonna. There's a lot of stuff that is really good in there that I might even turn this into like two podcasts instead of one. Um, <laughs> but um, okay, so I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. We're gonna do like we we'll call it role play. So I'm. I'm a new. I'm a new choreographer, and and I come to you and I say like, okay, so I'm creating a piece. You know, a, you know, just a simple bangara segment in in my routine for my team. Yeah. What what is an approach I should take? What should I focus on? You know, what what suggestion? You know, broad specific. What suggestion would you tell me? Like, you know, I have some steps in mind. You know, how 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 should I build that segment? What should I focus on? All right. So if you're building, say, like you're a new choreographer, you're building a set. The first thing I'm gonna tell you to do is. Definitely try out the moves. You say you have moves in mind already? Mm-hmm. All right. Try out, just play the music. Try out the moves, see if they go with the music. That's the first thing you do. I would say, this as far as drilling, try do the moves at different times in the music, but also like keep going, see where it fits where. Then from there, build on. So just keep adding different movements to what you already have. There's, since you're new, there's, I wouldn't, put too much pressure on building something that's perfect already. But one thing I would go into is definitely looking at other teams. The research, see what see what you like, but don't one thing that's big in dancing is never take it directly. That because that's filling, that's called biting. That's something you don't want to do. You can take it, but you can make it your own. That's that's using your their inspiration for you. But don't directly steal their movements. So I'll look at definitely watch different teams and see what you like and learn how they do certain moves and see how they do it to the music. That's one thing. See how they do their dancing to the music and how it fits. Then go back to what you have in mind and apply that choreography to that music. So if you're just, cause like there's a lot of teams where they just want to test out, just get people dancing, get people used to making choreography. It's, it's, it's okay to just, if it doesn't look fine to begin with, because you're going to get, you, it takes practice. Everything takes practice. Nothing is right the first time. So I would definitely just, if you're new, just start 
if you don't, like, one thing is like new dancers don't have their vocabulary isn't as high, so they can't really play as fast they can as most mature dancers or most more experienced dancers can be. So for them, their approach may be, oh, I'm gonna do like say like full guys with like fast tremors. Like they just wanna add moves to moves because they aren't sure what may fit, what may look good. So this is where I would say make a choreography in like an open environment that doesn't have any mirrors. This is what, this is the first thing I would do. When you dance without mirrors, you learn how your body reacts directly to movements and how movements flow from one to another. If you do a move, you're like, oh, you try to do from like a Punjab to like a a jump and you can't really jump because you're on the because you're on like your your off leg or something, like something like that. You'd learn that, oh, okay. That what I had in mind for that wouldn't work because it's not natural movement for me. It doesn't really flow with my body. You really want to do something that flows well from just natural, like a natural movement. Because if it works naturally for you when you're dancing, then just looking in the mirror will looks good. It will translate better to when you're teaching because you know how where your weight is for your foot and how you're going to do that to get to another movement. So if you're new or just even older choreographers, try dancing without using the mirror because that's where all your natural movements will occur because that's how your body naturally reacts to different obstacles and you know what can go, what move can go from one to another. So that's a big thing I would do. Then from there, you can record yourself, then go to a mirror and clean yourself. That's, that's huge. Thing. I think, I think, I think everything you said right there is, is so on point <laughs> allowing your body. Like, yeah, I, I keep, I harp on it myself, uh, to, to anybody that I talk to and to our team is when creating something, does it, does it match what you're listening? Like the, the visual needs to match the audio. Right. And at the end of the day, the audio technically is dictating what should be done as the visual, you know? And that's what, you know, that whole concept of not using a mirror it's huge because then yeah. you, you really don't allow yourself to stop because you because you're watching yourself right you're just you're just letting it flow that's a that, that's super cool um whenever uh i know, I know people like to choreograph like do choreography in groups right so that's something that you you yeah. touched upon that you guys did in in your class at ddcon um so what do, what do you suggest to folks whenever they get into groups uh some things to think about and and how to you know the one thing that you did say that i like and is like turn it into a social gathering, right? Um, yeah. And, and don't don't let it be so strict and and whatnot. So kind of kind of get into it when you when you suggest for what do you suggest for people to do in groups when they when they want to create? Okay. All right. Good question. So me personally, I was always headstrong. I always want to do things on my own. So like working in like this is like part of choreography. Like I always want to be by myself, and I did it. So like. Being able to finally open myself up to working with other people and just learning how to take someone's open feedback and just being able to bounce ideas off of each other, it really opened like my mind to a far like my I learned my McCraffy got starting better, starting like more presentable because you can tell you have someone there with you to be able to pretty much just tell you it's it, it, it me blunt tell you like what looks good and what doesn't look good. That's one that's the benefit of working with other people. Like it really is, it opens up from one mind to another mind. So how many other minds you have working on that project? So you have people coming with different ideas to get to one end goal. So that's something I had to really work on. But for like, as far as working in groups is try not, like it also depends on who you're working with, knowing who you are, but try not to be like super like, oh, take someone that just takes charge and 
We want everyone else to just listen to them. Be open to ideas to what other people may have because they may have some good solid options that you never thought of. You don't just be super stuck on the ideas you think may look good or something that you're like, oh, we're definitely doing this. Be open to what other people may do. Try it out. If it doesn't work, then go back to something else. Like, but be open to what everyone else may think is fine. This is the whole part of being in the community, being a team, is you're, you trust who you're working with. You're, you're allowing other people to have their open ideas. Because say you're on the, you're on the team and people are new, and most new guys are like, okay, I really want to contribute, or how, like, giving them the option to express their ideas makes them feel more welcome than just shutting down what they may have. So think about, like, say you're, like, think, it's, it's good to be able to have your options there where people will listen to you and they'll actually, like, try to do what you're, what you have in mind. So that's, that's just part of team building, just taking something and bouncing off the other person, just, like, you're, you're really utilizing your resources. That's one thing. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely. It's, it's like, it's a general concept pretty much is learning how to work it as a group and not just following your individual mindset, just being able to bounce ideas off. Yeah. I think that, that, that definitely has been a staple for us, at least over the years, is that the first thing, and I know you talked about this earlier, is like the first thing that we ever create is never the end product. Like no matter yeah, what, it, it, it just, it just never is. And there's always a way to make it better. And most of the time that comes from somebody else, right? It's not, if I create something, it's always somebody else saying, okay, let's, let's, let's try this this way, or let's move this here, or said this just is not good. Right. And, and that, that definitely happens, you know, regardless it, it, it for us, at least it, it always happens to every single thing that everybody creates. And it's, it's definitely been a frustrating thing for, you know, dancers over the years that, oh, I learned something and it's probably not going to be the same, you know, within the next couple of weeks is probably going to change. But for us, we've always looked at it's it as it's a part of the process and it's a part of creating, you know, the best final product. Right. And yes. and 100 percent that definitely comes from, you know, in, you know, doing it in groups or if, you, you know, if we if we individually bring something to that group session or we actually create it on the spot when we get into that group or you know it's always it's always just a matter of bouncing things off of each other and it, it brings you back to a quote uh if you want to go fast you know do it by yourself because you can create something as fast as you want but if you want to go far and and you know take your success far you got to go together right being able to work in yeah. a group and and putting i'm, I'm taking that quote that way you know Go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it is super cool. Um, how that all works. So go ahead, Kari. I kind of want to open the floor and let you talk, uh, say what's on, say some things that are in your mind. Cause you know, over the course of the, over, over the course of the recording, uh, kind of jumped around a bit. So it's definitely out of yeah. order in terms of the, um, of the outline that we wrote, which doesn't matter. I'll be able to cut it up and, and make it sound, sound, sound as good as, I can't, I'm not, I'm not a pro at audio editing and stuff like that, but kind of go ahead, man. What, what, thoughts on choreography on Barra, uh, the, the Barra circuit. Cause you touched on what you, you touched on the minor people focusing on the, on the highlights and not the minor parts, timing, yeah. timing of placement of choreography, stuff like that. But you know, go for it. The floor is yours. Go for it, man. All right. So there's a few things I just want to talk about just as another person, as a dancer, 
this is I'll talk about this first because as a individual who may be listening, if like you want to get better at dancing or you want to just learn, the one thing I would say is definitely take as many classes as you can. Like if you want to learn more about a certain style, research the style but take classes. When I was just going to school, one person that I was learning from they said you can like you can always learn something from any class you take. Just always take that class. Even you even the, the, the answer that you learned was never take that class again. That's the biggest thing is you can always take something away from that class. Whether it's how that person did one particular step, is something that this one this one thing that you learned from when you took it. So like this with me with Bunger, like I learned from so many different people, like from so many different teams across the country, just from taking different classes, just from dancing with them, and they. None of them did the same step the same way, but I was able to, able to take different approaches that they took and add to my own particular style. Like say, just even basic footwork, some people did different. Like say, I took like the basics class, they compared that to what we did from GMU, they compared that to what we're doing from BDR. Like the things that are similar, things that are different, but you can also add those approaches to yourself and knowing what works for you and what doesn't work for you as far as your own particular style. So there's always, there's nothing wrong with taking as many classes as possible. It's, it's the biggest thing is taking classes to take away. What did you learn? It's one th- you, you don't want to take away everything that, that it taught you, but take away key things that step with you for that particular class. And like the biggest thing I would say, just put yourself out there. Definitely go out there, wherever you may be, talk to different people, just put yourself in a position where you can learn, where you can grow, and where you, you're best suited. Because there's one thing to stay at home and do things on your own, but actually go out to the environment. Go to competitions that your team may not be competing at. See what people are doing there, and you can be able to take it back home to wherever you are and supply it there too. So definitely, like, go out and and just learn from wherever you are. Just don't sit at home and watch some videos. Look at things live. Live is always better than recording. That's one thing I would say. That's and, so true, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's what we're talking about, the whole... um SPD and, um, and Motor City and that Big Ten, like how when I was watching them, per- like personally from Maryland, when I was watching every team go, I'm like, okay, okay. Then when they hit the stage, I'm like, wow, they really know what they're doing right now. Like their approach, their persona, when they hit the stage, like they really understood the style, but they also knew how to perform because it took care of every single detail because the stage itself was highly shaped. But they were the only team to come on with no markers and actually utilize it. Like they've been practicing on the stage for their whole life. Like that's how they presented themselves to the audience. Like not not even thinking about dancing, just think about how they're moving as a unit, how they're utilizing like what they're working with. Like that's set them miles above everyone else just based on their presence and their ability to adapt. It shows that they thought about every single detail, not just about one particular move at this beat. They thought about their whole performance, which is something that's key to new teams. Regardless of style, like regardless of dancing, especially with Bungra, thinking about from beginning to end, what are you doing? I treat that everything there as choreography, everything is set. So don't just think about a segment, 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 that's very stagnant. Think about everything as one particular dance leading to one particular end, whether you want your audience to get out of your routine. That's the biggest thing. Where you want the judges, where you want people to take away from what you presented, it should make sense from the beginning to the end. Like, think about not just the big things like we talked about earlier, the highlights, the thing about the in-between, the transitions. Like people call them like basic bunger segments. Oh, that segment has a meaning. What are you doing during that particular segment that's 
going to get towards the rest of your routine or translate from the beginning of your routine, the beginning and are very important, but so is the, the meat is in the middle of your set. That's the body. That's the biggest, the longest part of your set is the middle. Not just the beginning and end, which are extremely important. You have to catch the people's attention. You have to leave them with a great impression, but what are you doing for that meat and that body of your, your choreography that's going to keep people engaged throughout? You have to think about things like that as well. I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to talk and, and kind of let you you know build upon kind of whatever my approaches have been cuz a lot of the stuff that you say relates and parallels whatever you know I have learned and done over the years is yeah. you know when you when one of the th- one of the nicest things that you said about uh freestyling is especially when within the class right focusing on something <sighs> whenever like yeah. we one thing that we do is, is we will randomly just like take a step, right? And like, okay, all right, look, let's, let's take Fulgari here. Let's take Padaka, whatever. And let's just create a new one, right? Something that's just never been done before. Or let's take two steps and fuse them in, in, a, in, a, in a unique way, right? So like over, over what we did for Clutch uh, is we took Bathy and we took Padaka and we fused them. And, and that happened in one of our segments, right? But it was because of that concept of thinking about one thing and then building around that one thing like that. Like it wasn't the drop of our of our segment. It was in the middle. Right. But it allowed us to build around that, you know, uh, as you talked about, you know, like allowing you not only doing a step in place, but the movement, how we were going to move it. I mean, it, it ended up dictating a lot about the meat of that segment. But because we focused on one thing. And technically it was two things like, like, right. Like how we're going to incorporate bathing and Padaka into it. And then it allowed us to, if I can, like, I guess it kind of blew my mind when we were creating it. Like, you know, we, we did, it started off by be, making it very obvious that, okay, we we're doing bathing and we're doing Padaka. Right. But then it, it, it kind of evolved into, okay, we're also doing Padaka, but we're doing Punjab footwork all of a sudden with it. And we're kind of like doing side Punjab, but it's actually, we're doing Padaka arms instead. And then we're, then we switch back into doing round bay. The, like it just, because of, because of that focus, it kind of created the yeah. segment in itself in kind of a unique way. Right. Obviously it wasn't, yeah. as I said before, the first thing that we came up with was not the final product, but the end product is like kind of what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. but it all stemmed from focusing on one thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like that whole process that you just discussed, and like, say with like in the, the street or the freestyle culture, it's called labbing. So labbing is basically like, just like we like, say you're in science, like that's where you're doing all your research, all your, your build up, which you're practicing in the lab. So labbing itself is just you working on movements. You, like, this is where all the dirty work goes in. This is where all the training happens is in your lab. So that's where you're, you're building yourself up. Like say you're focusing on one particular set movement for that lab is that's what you're doing that whole time. You're just, you're just creating new things based on that movement. So labbing is a place where you don't have to build your choreography to a certain, for the, for the music. That's where you can create moves itself as a whole. That's where you can create ideas and concepts itself. And later when you're freestyling, you're applying those lab movements to your choreography or to your, whatever dancing you're doing. So that's something that's very key. And also this is something that I always push. There's a difference between Practicing and training. Practicing is just doing repetitive movements over and over again, 
as something to to clean yourself or to just to, to get better as a as a whole. You're just trying to clean something that's already there. That's what practicing is. Training is something that you're working to growing yourself to be. So training, you're, you're, you're here at a certain level, and at the end of your training, you're getting better and better. So that's where you're pushing yourself. That's where you're creating new things. You're constantly learning. That's what training is. So dancers and teams who want to get better, they have to train. They have to constantly want to improve. You have to constantly laugh and create new things. And, like, and also build up on your foundation. That's and pushing yourself. That's training. But once you get that set, and once you get your choreography set, you want to clean something, that's when you start practicing. That's when you start trying to take you have your idea set of what you want something to be. You're practicing to get there, but that set is already, it's already your limit is already set. You only practice so hard to get to a certain spot, but training is unlimited and always get to a point. So the best teams, the best dancers, the best person to anything, like anything in life, they're training. They're, they're just, you don't want to be stagnant. You always want to continue to grow as a person and as a dancer. So you have to train to get to that certain level. You have to just really like gear yourself. Don't just get in the same routine over and over again. Like that's one thing I'll always try to tell people. You have to train. You have to get better. That's where that's where things happen. Hundred percent. That's, that's so one true. thing I'm gonna touch on, like practicing versus training. Like you always got to get there, and also laughing as far as like that's where you can get you like your that's cool kind of laboratory. You where you're creating, you're mixing different ideas, different concepts. That's where like the creation happens. That's like that's another that's another place where creation can happen. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Something that you talked about, you know, ta- um, the the overall picture, right? The the set as yeah. a whole. Um, you know, we, you talk about not paying attention to the minor parts. Plus, you talked about timing, placing stuff in your routine, how to transition in and out of the highlights. Um, I don't know. We 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 tend to create a longer routine then we over put on stage, right? Then we start taking things away yeah. to allow things to hit harder and, and get rid of some of the, like the, you know, unnecessary time, you know, um, so yeah, like the, the dead moments, the dead moments, right? They really, cause I, I love that. That's that one thing you said, like every single thing that you do should have meaning. Right. Yeah. And you're not just doing a transition step to do a transition step. Right. Like, uh, I, I can speak even from my own judging experience, like the little details a lot of times has, you know, pushed teams up or down spots, you know, and yep. whether it be just the, from the creation standpoint or, or even the, the execution of whatever they were doing, you know, um, mm. and yeah, that, that, that part, that definitely, that part also hit pretty hard with me. It was just like, whatever you, whatever, every single moment, every single beat, every single second, right? There was a, uh, some, uh, um, I can't remember who posted this on BT, whenever BTF was live and there was yeah. constant stuff back in the day, you know, that, that was, that's where I learned, well, you know, a lot of whatever I know, but a person said that Ustad in India once told the dancers like, hey, look, at any moment in time, a photographer could take a picture of you. What are you going to look like? Right. Like you can't take a, what does that mean to everybody that every single moment in the dance, you have to be going all out. Right. You can't be, you can't yeah. not be smiling or whatever nutcrow you're going to be doing. You can't be flat. You can't not be, you know, bending your knees or doing the step. I don't want to say just bending your knees, but whatever step it is, you can't be doing it, you know, 
lazily or not, you know, to its fullest, right? Because at any moment, the photographer could take a picture, right? Because you don't know when he's taking the picture. He doesn't even know when he's taking the picture, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that whole con that that also ties back into not only are we giving the choreography meaning, but even the most simplest steps, right? Like a transition beat or, or a transition section, right? Doing it all yeah. out, right? Still gives it meaning, right? It is like because. You're never, you never you talk about secretion as a roller coaster sometimes, right? I've heard that concept mm -hmm. of like, you know, the highlights are, you know, the top points and the low parts could be the transitions or whatever, right? Um, yeah. And it, because it, it can't be high, high, high the whole time, right? But even yeah. those transition beats, those low points still need to be done all out, right? And like, it definitely, still needs definitely. to be executed well and it still needs to be designed well, as you were pointing out earlier, designing it in a way that makes sense, right? Yep. So that's that's definitely something that hit with me as well. Um, let's see what else. Like, like you'll definitely like you can definitely watch performances and see like dancers like just cutting their moves like they're like not completing the counts of beats of their legs or anything like just to get to like especially with dropping off props or picking up props. You see people just chilling a lot of times. I mean, it's done, like, you see it live all the time. People just go pick up props, but especially doing, like, a music set in America, like, that can set you apart from a lot of teams. Just, one thing, I, like, I noticed is just handling of props in general. Like, that's what people feel like a super minor detail, so, like, picking up and dropping off. But there's so many creative ways to do it and also respect them at the same time where, yeah, like, instead of just throwing them or dropping them off, like, build that into your set. That's one thing that sets people apart. A thousand percent. That's a, it's a minor thing, but a lot of people really don't care about it too much. Like, but things like that can really play a big factor into your takeaway. Like, mm -hmm. it's something that's small, but it's something that's you're doing it. But if, if say you're the only team at this competition that does it, you'll stand out for that, and all the teams, all the teams who didn't do it. Dude, that makes me laugh so hard because I judged Bruin this past year, and yeah. Royal Girls. I don't know if you watched their video, but amazing performance their transition out of their sub segment was phenomenal right and like we we judges were sitting together and as it's happening we were like you know we we're like wow like we were talking to each other like that transition was insane and all they did was drop off the subs you know <laughs> and and it's just it's so true nobody does it nobody like and i mean someone did it obviously but like not enough teams do it they don't like you know? it's, become a, it's like it's trends. People, people will try to squeak by as much as possible. They're like, oh, one team they won, they got away with this. We'll have to focus on that. Like, yeah. They'll try the hardest to get to do the do as minimal work as possible just to get by. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to exceed, they just want to follow a formula. Like people, one person, one team does it, they got away with it. Everyone else thinks they can do it too. Hundred percent. I mean, the success does leave clues, right? I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard that quote before too, but at the same time, success does leave openings, right? Like what, what are they doing? that can still be done better. Right. And, yep. and that's the, the whole, the whole concept of making transitions a highlight, you know, I hope, I, I hope every, I hope after everybody listening to this podcast turns their transition into highlights, cause that'd be super cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's literally like the, Whenever, like, say, like, I judge fusion competitions, whenever they ask questions like, what's your pet peeve? What's something you focus on as a judge? 
the first thing I say is transitions. That's the first thing I say because you can tell a lot by a team by how much they pay attention to transitions. You can tell if they care about how much they care about their set. Just by looking at their, that's where the detail comes in, like that's the flow. Like that's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like how many teams that have to say the same thing too. It's pretty funny. Does it mean a lot of Bogart judges will say the same exact thing, man? Like, you know, transitioning between segments, does it connect? Uh, did you put thought into it? The, uh, uh, so many bar judges will say the same exact thing, man. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it definitely is the most overlooked part of set creation, in my opinion. Um, definitely. And I think that, I think that you know, even myself, I'm a culprit of it, too. Of, like, because at the end of the day... I would say like I in in the in the sense that we've created there's you know we think about it as segments right and then okay well how does it make the most sense to to put them together how it like so so I don't know if you've ever done this before but let's just let's throw a prompt out here if you were to build us build a set and create and, and make transitions a highlight how would you do that like what would be the 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 thought or the approach from a from, again, from a thought perspective, because we're not about to do it, obviously, but how would you yeah. approach that from a mental and thought process? To make transitions the highlight? Yeah, like, 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 instead of, instead of us, like, if you, if you were to create a set, and instead of creating segments, and then figuring out how to string them together in, the, in, the, in a way that makes sense, right? Yeah. Not, you know, again, not just from a choreographical perspective, but a, the musicality, then the spacing out of your segments, right? Like, you know, you don't want to do like, even it, it might make the most sense from a musical perspective to do Jummer first, but then the rest of the set is one thing, right? Like, it's just, yeah. you know, you want, you want Jummer somewhere in there. Not, I'm not calling out CMU Barn from last, from uh, 2016 at all. Cause that was phenomenal the way they, they, they put it all together. I'm just saying, just, I'm just throwing out like a basic concept, right? But mm. instead of doing it piece by piece by piece, and then trying to string it all together, how would you approach it in a way that, uh, you know, you, you make a piece and then you make a transition, right? Because like, let's say that you don't have a next piece in mind. How would you, how, how would you design and approach a transition, right? Because like, I think that what I'm basically trying to say is we, we take whatever we know, right? Whatever we know how to do and we apply it to a segment. Yeah. So when we look at transitions, it's like, okay, we have, we have piece A and piece B and now we're looking at how we how how do we connect it right so well this is where we are you know at the end of piece a and this is where we need to start at the end of piece b or at the, at the beginning of piece b right and all right so how do we do that right that's at least yeah, yeah. to me how a lot of times transitions became you know come around right yeah. let's let's say that there is no piece b right and it's just transition right how would you approach it so like so saying like how this was like so benefit most teams how they look like say like people might like, change how they made choreograph or how they made dance so they'll make like segment segment and try to put it together the key thing with transitions i would say is definitely the use of formations how you like you have we won't be for point a we won't be for point b utilize your formations to get you in the position visually and also as far as where you want the correct dancers to be utilize formations to your advantage so but you have to utilize it in your a formation also your b formation Think about where certain moves are, what moves you can travel with, and you want to keep audience engaged so they don't see the the next, they don't see B coming. So if you utilize formations as you're traveling and you're dancing with A, 
then you all of a sudden you just bust out to something in B, and the audience didn't see it coming. That's so that's a transition where like oh, that came out of nowhere. Like it just happened, but it didn't happen to where it's telegraphed. It happened to the point where it flowed into it because it caught the person off guard. Like okay, that's something dope. They really just bust into that right now. So definitely utilizing your formations is key if you already have your segments made. And you want to highlight in the transition. And as far as this is one thing I would use, it's okay to go outside your style to get like influence or inspirations. Like I know a lot of like Bunger teams would look at classical performances and see how they use their formations and how they transition for their for their piece to piece to apply to that. So that's something you can do is see something that hasn't been done, but utilize those formations to transition to what you're already trying to do. That's one thing I would say is to make transitions or highlight is to definitely utilize your formations. And like I would say, your blocking. Blocking includes your formations, but it also includes how you break down. Like every person on stage, it's hard, it's, it's rarely seen in Bungra, but people doing alternate moves at different times. It's not everyone doing the same thing at the same time. I think, like, I think it's, really I think it's well. called like, mechanisms. I think we call that mechanisms in, in Bara more so than blocking. Mechanisms, yeah. 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 So like, say you use your mechanisms as far as like your layering, how people are positioned different different places. Like a lot of people use like changes that's like simple choreography, but with simple choreography you can get to me simple moves have the option, the ability to do to be even more creative based on your other you know, like your other yellow layering, your layering, your textures and things like that. So I think I think it's something FCB actually does pretty well is how they use their mechanisms and your layering, how you position yourself in between each piece. So Definitely mechanisms, formations. Timing is one thing, but not show, not like highlighting, and not highlighting like not moments highlighting, but not highlighting that a piece is starting here. You have to be able to flow into that because the worst thing you want to do is have a buildup and not have it be smoothly transitioned into. If it just comes out of nowhere, like okay. Like that, you can tell it's going to happen. That's something you don't want to do. You want to do it to flow seamlessly into that. So transitions, focusing on formations and mechanisms, I would say the best part to highlight that if you already have segments made. Got it. Yeah, because like that's one thing that's that's tough. Is like you make your segments, then you're like, okay, I want to get to this piece or this piece. But it's the, the one thing I would say is. All because you know what to do doesn't make it easy. Some things take a lot of work and a lot of patience and a lot of like this repetition and a lot of like try, trial and error pretty much to get it to work. <laughs> the thing is just you don't have you can't give up on it. You just have to be able to persevere and just keep going. Cause especially if you don't have things made, just like, okay, how do you fit this in one time crunch, but make time for it in the end it'll definitely pay off. Yeah. Especially when that when you run into those sessions where you walk away and nothing was created or nothing good yeah. went, nothing good came of it, right? And in like I remember in the early going, like I would look at it kind of like, damn, like that sucked, kind of thing. But then over yeah. time, I would realize that you know that needed to happen, right? Because like just like anything, you have your you have your wonderful practices where you're super efficient, the team's on point. Then you have your rule like laggy practices and you know no everybody's heads aren't in it kind of thing right but you need to have those yeah. bad practices you have the good practices right Definitely. so you need to have the you oh, need yeah. to have those 
you know, choreo sessions or whatever that you literally get nothing. Right? That's out of your system now. The next one you come back and yeah. like all of a sudden things are clicking, you know? Yeah. And so I always, I never look at um, anything as like a wasted thing. And that kind of connects to what you're saying of like, you know, put the time, you know, take your time and like, you know, persevere through it kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah. Cause we I'll definitely had one of those just now of, we didn't get anything oh, out of that yeah. session that we just created. We just had. <laughs> it happens. One thing, like one thing, like, yeah, it's crazy. Like one thing I would say, you know, like you're like taking an essay or writing a paper or something. You have like writer's block. Mm-hmm. The same thing with dance. It's dancer's block. Like sometimes your mind just isn't focused. Like it's hard to like to go to create things. So you have to spot things that inspire you in life. Like if there's a certain song music that you want to listen to to get your mind off of something then later go back and work on it or talk to people like talk about your ideas talk to somebody that you're that you can that you're, that you're just accustomed to talking to that find find something that can get your mind off it or find something where you can get inspired from like people get inspired from all different types of things in life like your family the environment what, what's going on like tissue anything like pillows i'm just looking at stuff around the room and it's like <laughs> you get inspired by so many things that it is something sometimes things just have to click and once it clicks, then you're, you're, you're on the roll. You're good. Like, it's okay to, to have off days. I had an off day shooting my video for DDR yesterday, but <laughs> I sent it in. But it, it, what happens, happens. You move on the next day. Yeah, you're right. living. You're in the present. No, 100%. That's what I'm saying. Like, you just have to persevere keep going. Did you especially ever... Especially if you're new. Hmm? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so especially if you're new. Is, starting off is hard. That's, that's so... It's hard. I, I know. You just have to... Trust yourself, believe. Make sure you get rest. Sleeping is very key, I would say. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're cranky, if you don't get sleep, you get sick, and everything is bad, that's downhill from there. Thanks. But yeah, just keep going. Like, don't be afraid to talk to people. Like, even if there's not someone that's, that's dancing, just talk to someone in your life where they can help you get your mind back straight and get, get refocused. Because your focus is probably the biggest thing you have. Your mind is powerful, I guess. One thing I would say. So, what are you saying if I was aware? No, no, no. Um, I wanted to ask you something that I guess, it, kind of building off of something of my own experience. Um, I, Ram and I, like, there's no one that I would say like I've created the most amount of choreo and grown as a dancer with Ram, right? So, like, T and I have that kind of chemistry. I shouldn't even say kind of. We have that chemistry of like we know. You know, whenever he's in the groove and going and like doing stuff, like I never get in his way. Like I always let him just do his thing and then, and then build, like build on what he's building or, or, you know, do that whole thing of bouncing off of each other. Um, But one thing that we've always done is we've, whenever we say we're going to meet at a certain time, right? What's always worked for us is to create something on our own and then bring it to that spot, right? Like, in my in my recent even in our most recent experience doing it together is like true for us doing it on the spot never yielded our best results right it was one of those things where he would because i'm a believer that you can you can create sometimes you know we have created amazing stuff together when when we didn't have anything uh leading into that session right but Mm -hmm. you know I remember, you know, I'll, I'll tell you some stories like, you know, me just taking a shower one day and I'm listening to the music and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a choreo idea came and then, you know, we ran with that, right? And we ran with that for a while, actually. That that piece of choreo lasted for, you know, multiple competitions. 
one day we were at, we were doing, we were at, we had a practice and, you know, Ram had to take a dump and he came out and, you know, he took an extra long one. We were like, what in the hell is he doing? Right. But he came out of the bathroom. Like, all right, I got the formation idea. And he had this crazy formation idea, right? Like you just never know when something's yeah, going to come to you. Know. Right. And, and we've always had that process about it. Right. Of that's just somehow some way how he and I've always worked together of like, we never know when certain stuff, some idea is going to come to us. Right. But then allowing us to, I don't know, it basically, it didn't, it didn't limit us to be saying, okay, this is more creating choreography. And that was it. Right. We, it was always a, um, you know, whenever it comes to you, it comes to you, but we're going to, we're going to have a session on this day and this time. Right. And it was, I mean, I always made it a point to create something before I got there, whether it was shitty or not, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you had any like experience with something like that or, similar experiences or like how you build chemistry with somebody else and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, sometimes it's, I would say when you're trying to make something or you're working for other people, like people have different niches as far as what works for them, what doesn't work. Like something can work for me, something can work for you, but maybe I'd be able to work for someone else. Me personally is Sometimes correct, like choreographing can be easy, sometimes it can be a pain depending on what I'm choreographing for. That's one thing. Like it's if I'm doing it for like a this a performance or if I'm doing it for something that's competitive, I may have a different mentality approaching like how I'm gonna do it. Like or if I'm doing it for a gig, then you have to think about your state if you're on stage, like what type of flat platform you're on, high presence to the audience. It's just sometimes my mentality may change off depending on the style what I'm doing. But like most recently, like for my my workshop piece, why did it crash with one of my friends? Like when we were there in person, it's, it was like nothing, like it's hard to like build and like and just work on things. Cause like in the moment, like especially working with people who we may not work with before, sometimes working with a person doesn't work. Sometimes you have to go off on your own or just create a base and from there just think of something, come back and make it fresh. Like that's what, that's what ended up working for us. We made us like a simple base choreography where like, okay, this is fine. Then I went on my own, just thought about things. And all of a sudden things just started clicking. And from there, from that base, I just built up from what we're working on as a group. So what we came up together was like a base. And I went home, I just took that and just ran with it and just created something far more like, I would say like complete as a product. So like for me, it tends, it really varies as far as what works and what doesn't when I'm, to have a block or have a niche, like I come up with things in the shower all the time. Like <laughs> personally, like people, like literally when I'm walking, people say I'm dancing. I'm just, I guess I'm walking in rhythm or something. I don't know what it is. But I'm always moving my body at some point in time. Because uh-huh. everything is just, because you never know when things are going to happen. Like at work, I'm just always moving my arms. It's always doing different things that, you never know when in your life something may happen. You just have to be prepared to utilize that particular moment because you don't want to waste any of your opportunities. So you're like, there's definitely, what were you saying? No, go ahead, go ahead, finish your thought. I would say there's definitely so many days where you're just stuck, but there's definitely a, a light at the end of the path if you just keep working towards it because you may never know. So you're that guy that everybody sees just in the street or. You know, if if a coworker tries to come talk to you and you're just doing something and they just, you know, 
<laughs> you see you moving your arms in some weird way and you just walk away like all right i can't I got, talk to him right now <laughs> yeah i got caught like practicing a move for like our set like during lunch break <laughs> and, like the like the, the um like the compartment room like they keep all, keep all the supplies i got caught practicing the move in there but i had to practice it full out because there's one thing to like mark moves and just do them like 50 percent but you never know how things may flow until you do it 100 percent until you do a pull out mm-hmm. so i'm like i was listening to my headphones through the mix i'm like okay i'm going to try this idea out but i can't do it sitting at my desk so mm-hmm. once lunch i did pull out in the break room and somebody saw me i'm like oh my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept moving. Like, okay, I got it. It was looking for like two counts, but I got it out the way. I went back to my desk and started eating again. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I got it out of my system. Sometimes you just have to, you like find places where you can just try. If, you, if you're feeling it, make sure you have a certain time, then go out and do it and don't get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that like that that concept actually of like you know you never know what's gonna come. So once you know you need to get it out of your system, you need to test it or something like that. I um yeah. You know, just for work, I do a lot of moving around in the car, right? I drive a lot. And yeah. and what ends up happening is I'll be listening to a song and I'll, I'll, and, and I'll be dancing in my head, you know? And I would say a lot of the core that I do come up with comes up, like it happens in the car when I'm just, when I got nothing to do but listen to the music and think about it, right? And, yeah. and what I'll end up doing is I'll come up with a step to, you know, whatever the song is and I'm listening and I'll be, I'll sit there and drive for 30 minutes and literally play the song over and over again. Like I'll pull it back eight counts and like listen to it again and test something out in my head and see if it'll work. And and like I might create a whole piece just in the car, right? And like yeah. then test it, like like actually because you know it's in my head, right? I need to actually get up and do it. Whatever, um, you know, like I'll spend those thirty minutes memorizing whatever it is I create, and then go test it whenever I get to wherever I'm going or. I'll, I'll wait till yeah. practice to, to show it to the guys like, look, this is what I came up with. And then like, you know, something like that. It's, it's <laughs> the car, the car is my spot, man. Like that's, that's where a lot of my stuff comes. <laughs> nice. So. Yeah. Like you, I was like, that's the thing about, cause I've been dancing in general. Like it's one thing, there's different ways to progress at what you're doing and different approaches, but depending on who you are, there's always different like outliers. of so what works for you? Like, things just happen to come at different times. Like you'll learn as, as you work on karate, like as you're starting off, you'll learn what works and what doesn't, but there's, there's ways to get there. That's what I'm saying. There's ways to make it easier to make it translate more, but there's always those moments where things will just come to you. And it was like, it'll just make things so much easier for you. Legit. You know what? The one thing that it literally just came to me, but um, mid season adjustments, um oh yeah whenever you know for us on fcb we've you know something that i don't know if it annoys me or not but we've been told numerous times that oh like um you know you didn't really do anything different here it's the same thing that you just put on a different song i don't know like like because you know the generation of barns where i grew up the same set was used throughout the year with maybe like one to two minutes of adjustments max like a seven minute set or an eight minute set one minute or two minutes worth of that routine was adjusted through the entire year right um you know now nowadays like and and so like our team kind of got fed up with that and so like you know this this past season was a new set every single every single uh competition like big from berg to to mela and then we only had we had one month to do the 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 big that was that was a challenge for ourselves to see if we could do it um, 
the one month between Mela and Big Ten, and then brand new one for Clutch. So like we, you know, we did four different sets, but you know, for the team that yeah. doesn't do that, we need, you know, because there was definitely a point in time where we didn't do that, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, we take one one set and we're using it for you know three comps over you know a stretch of two months, let's say. When it comes to assessing, you know, the original piece, like the 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 uh, that first full set that you put together, what kind of things do you look for in terms of what adjustments you know you need to make to like what what segments okay. you need to scrap or you know what adjust yeah. you know you just just go for it. You, I think you get what I'm what I'm getting at. Yeah, I got you saying yeah. So just starting off, like I would say, I understand the whole point of <laughs> just repeating like like the whole set like throughout the whole year, things like that. Because most recently with DMU, like last two years ago, we really had one segment that we used for like two years. I'm like, why are we still doing this? this is, I'm tired of doing the same set. I'm bored of doing this. <laughs> so I know that. I understand that point. I really got tired of doing that song. I just had to get off my chest. They know that now, but it's fine. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> it's just, um, Personally, I'm going to start with this first before I go into adjusting. Actually, I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to go to adjusting first, and I'll go back to that. So with adjusting, like, I would definitely say if you competed already, like, say you competed the fall, see what the judges told you, then go back, watch your set, and see if it adds up. But also look at your competition and how they're adjusting throughout the season. If you think what you did previously, like, say you, you, you had so much success. Do you think that success will continue throughout the season if you kept it the same, or do you think that what well, other teams may are adjusting to would they would you not have that same success? It's just you have to look at what you're competing against, look at yourself as a team. Even if you can do better, then I would say keep working, always work on improving. Uh, if, this, if you haven't perfected that set yet, that's another that's another topic for another day. Where you must, if you once you complete have a complete product before. You know what to take away and what not to take away. But also get like outside opinions, get your team opinion. If a segment is just not working, it's better off scrapping it than just, if people give you that take, then just trying to fix it. Because that's one thing that I think separates like top teams and lower teams is that top teams know when to adjust certain things. And, but, this is where I was having this conversation previously with another friend where with the lower like lower teams, like say newer teams, it's easy to tell them what to fix because it's very direct. Or with top teams, it's easy to tell them what to fix because it's very minimal. But for the mid-tier teams, it's like you never know where they should fix because judges usually give back like mixed feedback. So they never know where to start. So the thing with that is sometimes you have to change whole segments because you because there's something missing that says some somewhere lost in translation, so you really have to go back from top, like I spoke earlier, from top to bottom to your set, looking at every detail. Where did you make a mistake? Where, where did you leave off when you were creating a set that is giving back mixed opinions? So you have to go, really go back, analyze what you're doing, and look at different segments. And finally, like, after you go back, get different people's opinions, get outside people's takes, not just from your team. Get, like, people who've been in the circuit for a while, people who've never seen your set, going part of the, the community and this is like, okay, what do you think about this? And they'll give you their opinion. And sometimes you just have to take the risk of changing, taking out a couple segments completely. Cause that made, that really made change the season. But personally, I would say it really depends on the team. Like if you're, if, if it works for you and if you're doing well, 
then I would say just keep doing what you're doing because people are going to think what they think about you regardless. Like if if it works for you, keep go ahead, keep doing it. But people are going to have their opinion, and sometimes you listen to it, but don't take it to heart. That's one thing I would say. Like listen to what they have to say, but don't take it to heart. If it works for you, it works for you. Say a team that's the same set the whole year, and they they're they're doing fine. Then that's them. That's on them. If you change your set throughout the year multiple times, that's on you. But there's no right or wrong way to knowing to adjusting, but knowing what to adjust is something different. Because you always want to make your team better. This I take mid-season adjustments. This some segments have to change, honestly, because you're going to be stuck. You always want to improve, but it really just depends on who you are, like as a team, and what's what's your what's your take on the dancing, what's your take on competing. Because not all teams want to compete to win. Some teams just want to compete to perform, or they just want to be the best that they can be. So, so sometimes to them, it's not about taking away a segment, but the people who are about like focusing on winning and focusing on something that brings them the creative bend, they have to really go on the, the limb and not and know when they have to take out seg- segments and not just change the move here or there. Because sometimes scrapping something is a lot better than trying to fix something that's completely broken. 100%. I can't even remember how we used to... <laughs> At least it has been two years, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's that's missing is always difficult because you never, especially like sometimes it works for some people, sometimes it doesn't. Like I'm coming from a team. Some, most recently, we changed our like from GMU. They before I joined, literally that team was together for like six years, the same dance for six years. Damn. Then. You know, like it's like the same thing was there, just there. Like, cause like them, the freshmen came together, and, and they use a lot of alumni as well. But they just been this family, and all of a sudden they've got a lot of newer dancers recently. A few newer dancers last year, but this year, like as a whole, like well, I'll say two years ago, but this past season, there were so many new dancers on the team because they became like more collegiate and like people were just coming. So they like they've been they use a lot of like segments. I guess I'm giving away secrets. But even a lot of segments where they use, like, say, like, years ago, they got inspired from, like, previous, like, GMU years. But I guess last year was one year when they got second in blowout. was one year where they brought a lot of fresh ideas to the team instead of, doing, um, like, repeating a lot of the old steps that mm-hmm. they normally do. But then, yeah, like, that, that set was wild, man. Season, <laughs> You said what? That set was wild there, the second place. Yeah. Like said. Juggy and just me and, and Jay, like, it was all of them, like, Juggy himself, this guy, he puts so much time. A lot of people don't know how much time he puts into his craft. Like, yeah, I if he could, it. if he could major in Bummer, that's what he would do. Like, he's studying videos, he's researching, not just dancing, like every single day. Yeah, like different performances, just looking at them every day, and just working on himself in like in BSB. Like, this guy's he's insane. But yeah. <laughs> it's like with how they post this year is more of a. We did a lot of the same like set that we did the previous year. Like someone pointed out on one of the podcasts about God, how it was like the same set as before. So it's pretty much the same set, just with a few minor segment changes because they only did like two competitions. So that's where that's a team where even though it's a different season, they only did that routine like once. So like, what's the point of doing it? What's the point of changing a whole routine from this routine one time? So might as well do it again just with minor adjustments. 
it really depends on your team's take and just how you how you view the circuit. They game is not really a competitive first team, they're more of a family first team. So winning isn't like number one priority on their list. At least when I was on the team. So it was more about community building and just representing the representing the former dance. So for us creating like a completely brand new set wasn't the priority. It was more about building what we already have and building the, the new dancers that we have. So that was the goal for that. Got it. So this is a different take than what a lot of teams go about. So I would say, depends on what type of team you want to be, knowing what type of goals you want early on, listening to your captains, listening to your members, because they, they're in the position they're in for a reason. So really trusting their knowledge and what you should take on. That's all I would say. I feel like, I forgot what question you asked, but that's what, that was my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Don't matter. Uh, piece. I'm just walking around the room dancing right now, doing different moves. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is just, this is just me. It was hard seeing still sometimes. Yeah. I feel you, man. I think we'll wrap it up, dude. Always gotta, we always have to conclude. This is like a, a rule that Uber has in place. So thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the bar podcast. Uh, please subscribe to us on Stitcher on iTunes and on SoundCloud. If you'd like to help us out a lot, please give us a rating on iTunes and please, you know, always message us on any platform, BTF, Twitter at the bar pod, Facebook. It doesn't matter. And one thing we always promote through the podcast is that every single person that we bring on is, you know, just someone that cares. Right. And knowing Kyrie, having talked to him for now over two hours, (laughs) uh, he's someone that you can definitely reach out to, uh, you know, definitely reach out to him, ask him any questions. He'll be more than happy to answer. Right, Kyrie? Yes, definitely. Anything eventually. If you just want to talk to me about life, I'm I'm here. I'm always open here. Yeah. I'll listen first, talk later. <laughs> so, thank you everybody for listening and have a wonderful night.